Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. This is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season four, episode 27, Divas. Mary, what happened to Brandon this week? Chancellor Arnold tells Brandon the Department of Education wrote a report about their task force, but he's so busy this weekend. Read and critique this so I don't have to do it. Thanks. Also, I don't know this, but my daughter Claire is 18 now and really wants to date slash bang you. Don't be alarmed if she shows up at your house with a bag full of all her stuff with intentions of spending the night with you. Oh, and if she happens to handcuff herself to your bed, that's totally normal. Okay, bye. Have a nice weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's basically it. It's just so weird because, I mean, besides, yeah, the way it comes across <laughs> is very like, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. But I think what I'm most confused about is we met Claire Arnold one time, right? One time. Like, if we weren't doing this show for a podcast and, you know, I had that thing in my head of, like, they gave her a first name and a last name mm-hmm. and all of this stuff, like, she's clearly going to come back, I would have had no idea who this person is because yeah. she shows up at the peach pit and does the, like, hands over Brandon's eyes and is like, guess who? And I was like, I don't know. Who are you? <laughs> well, and how would you expect Brandon to know her? Or, like, who it was by her voice or whatever. Because he also apparently has only met her once. And granted, the time that they did meet, she came on to him. So, sure. Like, I get I get that she's into him or whatever. But, like, it seems like we went from, like, first meeting to infatuation very quickly. Almost to the point where it makes me think, like, Maybe they saw each other a few other times in off-screensville, and we just aren't privy to that information. Because the whole time that Brandon and Claire were hanging out, I was like, how do you guys act like you know each other so well? How do you guys act like you're, like, in this will-they-won't-they relationship full of, like, sexual tension just constantly? Like, where is this coming from? It felt like so much, and so that's why I was confused the entire episode. I get the feeling that the writers were like, do y'all remember Emily Valentine? We need another messy bitch to show up. Yeah, that's true. Like, because first of all, the first time we see Claire, she shows up at the peach pit and she says that she talked to her father's secretary who was like, this is where Brandon hangs out. Like, why does she know that? It would have made more sense, which follow me here because it doesn't make sense but like it would have made more sense if she would have said I talked to my father who talked to his secretary who called your mother (laughs) and said this is where you hang out like it doesn't make sense but it would make more sense than just the secretary knowing that Brandon hangs out at the peach pit yeah all I could think about was like well I guess the chancellor is kind of in love with him like every (laughs) time we see the the dean or the chancellor they're like so, Brandon, you know you could have brought a date here. Yeah, my secretary says you didn't bring a date. Like That's true. Of course they know that he eats at the peach pit. But, like, she shows up just to be like, oh, I just had my 18th birthday. I don't remember what she said, but it was something, something jailbait. And then Brandon was like, I'm leaving and went to walk through the kitchen. And she was like, oh, me too, and went to walk through the kitchen. I was like, no one's, no one's going to stop her? 
Right. Yeah. Like not like going behind the counter into the kitchen slash the stock room or whatever. And then when they get outside, she's like all over him, arm around him, like touching him constantly. And then she just straight up asks him out, which like, sure, cool, whatever. But this is where I'm like, did we miss an episode? Is there a lost episode somewhere where they got to know each other? Because like, granted, I don't know how it worked in the 90s, but like, I feel like I would have to know a little bit about somebody before I start dating them or before I start asking them out. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm too, like, I need to know you first. I don't know. I kind of have it in my head that the chancellor just, like, talks about Brandon at family dinner. So she just knows all about him. And then on top of, like, oh, I thought he was hot that one time I actually met him in person. Because after she asks him out and he's like, no, I don't think this is a good idea because your father is the chancellor, he does say he likes her because she's unusual. So maybe that's the whole, like, I like you because you know what you want and you just go for it. Yeah, like she's not really – she's mysterious because she's not mysterious, you know? It's like she's so straightforward with, like, everything she wants, but at the same time you're like, this is odd. Why do I like this? Or why why are you so like this? Like, you know, I don't know. But she kisses him before she leaves. Like, it – yeah. Yeah, (laughs) she kisses him. She speaks French to him, and then she's like, mmm, tastes good. And like, <laughs> oh, boy. Like, Brandon very clearly has a type, and it's <laughs> not good for him. And I feel like this boy just needs to, like, I don't know, date someone in, like, I can't even think of someone somewhere that he should date, like, he should be set up by somebody else. He should not be going out and finding girls for himself because it is not working. Maybe he should just be single for a while. <laughs> it's Brandon. They would never do that with him. That's true. And- I mean, what's crazy, though, is like it was at this point, like right when she leaves, that Dylan shows up because of his own story that we'll get to. But Brandon immediately like asks him not to say anything. And apparently they're, like, cool with each other now, I guess, because, like, even Dylan brought up Lucinda and was like, I thought after Lucinda you weren't going to do something. I I don't remember what he said. But, yeah, they kind of, like, joke with each other and kind of are cool, I guess. So, yeah, this is another one of those, like, is there a lost episode that I don't remember? Because it just feels like everyone is just cool with each other. And, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, they go with this whole idea of, you know – Brandon and Dylan have this relationship where if they get into an argument, they're like, well, you're going to hit me if we let a girl come between us and then we're over and done with. Mm-hmm. But that just doesn't feel healthy. This feels like a bottle episode without it being a bottle episode. I I think what's so weird about it is this is actually an episode that is kind of progressing plot that we haven't seen in a while. So we're just mm-hmm. like, who is this Claire Arnold that we've never met before? Mm -hmm. It's like they really wanted us to get to know her and fast. Yeah. Yeah. This whole episode is just wild. Like, I, I don't even know a better way to say it because like Brandon leaves the peach pit to go study with Steve. And then we kind of have a little bit of a time jump. So it's, you know, later in the night, they're talking about how Steve, can't study because he loves tv 
And then for some reason, Laura comes back. Why? What? Right. Because like, it's a weird cross, like cross storyline because she's like involved with Kelly and Brenda because of Brenda's storyline this episode. But obviously we only know her because of Steve and, and we have to be reminded that this was the woman that Steve assaulted and didn't get in trouble for, but somehow blames, still blames her for it happening with some questionable dialogue. But yeah, he like hears somebody yell in a dorm room down the hall. So he bursts into the room without knocking or anything. And yeah, it's Laura. She's, she's practicing her lines for the play that Brenda and Kelly are auditioning for. But like, they briefly talk about the situation and it seems like Steve's trying to do the whole kicked puppy. Like, I don't know, but also mad at her. And that's where the questionable dialogue is. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, once again, Steve's entire storyline in this episode is literally just, hey, do you guys remember Laura who accused Steve of date rape? And then we all called her liars and basically made it so that she could not come out and say what happened to her. And then we all just dropped it and are still friends with Steve. No questions asked. Do you remember? Are you sure? Do you get it? Like. Well, and then just, like he still has to link it all together. And the only reason he can link it all together is because of that. But then because his mom is an actress who just happened to be in a production of um, another play that the director of this play happened to do. And so he has to be there because he's the link between her and the other uh, members of the group. And But it's so pointless. We don't need her. I'm sorry. We don't. She's, she's simply here, and we'll get to that later. She's only here to stir the pot anyway. Yeah, and then, like, I don't even really want to talk about her other than how she's linked to Steve just because other people keep bringing it up with yeah. Steve. Like, he does not have a story in this whole thing. But it's just repeatedly, like – it just keeps coming back into my head of like Steve should know like if what happened last time you talked to Laura like maybe don't ever be alone in a room with her again yeah like clearly the two of you should not be alone in a room totally but I mean yeah we find out that Samantha Sanders has been in a Roy Richards Randolph Randolph <laughs> um play before and so Steve offers to help her audition for the role and then like gone done with that scene mm -hmm. and the next day Brandon's walking into the student center and he sees David and says hi-ho silver <laughs> which I loved I loved it so much gosh there are a few horse references because earlier when Dylan pulls up while Brandon's talking to Claire, he's like, didn't you say whoa? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like, why don't you say whoa? But uh, we find out that apparently Rocky II is being a puppy. Mm -hmm. And the, the girls are blaming David for things, which like, I'm sorry. If he's chewing on cords and you left the cords out, that's kind of your fault. Like, Right. Like the whole – I mean – I'm no expert on a puppy, but, like, 
I'm I have learned getting a puppy of my own like you just eliminate the temptation because eventually they won't give you know two craps about those cords they just don't know they don't care about them yet and even today like noodle will still chew on my cord when she wants my attention like my headphone cord or something like that but like mm. she knows not to do it but she didn't a few months ago yeah I that's the thing like you know, he talks about the dog getting into the trash and I'm like, well, my cats try and get into the trash because they're, they're trained by food. Like mm-hmm. they're food obsessed. And so the smell of foods from the trash gets them really excited. So I put a child lock on the door so they can't get to the trash. And all of a sudden I don't have a problem anymore. Like they don't even <laughs> right. try to get into it because they know they can't. Right. Exactly. And then, yeah, they chew on cords, but like if lady's hungry, she will make eye contact with you. And be like, you looking at me? Are you sure you're looking at me? And then she'll lean down to your like $75 Apple charger. Be like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I will do it. Yeah. I mean, I can understand being annoyed with David if he's not doing anything to like mitigate this, you know? Like, because I mean, it's just like you said, if you leave stuff out and then the puppy gets into it. You can't really be mad at the puppy because he doesn't know better because he's literally a baby. And from the looks of Rocky too, he's like a baby baby, like maybe 10 weeks old max. Yeah. And I guess I'm just going by the previous times that we've seen David's room where I'm just like, yeah, he's leaving stuff out that the puppy shouldn't get into and it's his fault. Well, and he's probably peeing in that room too. Like, and that means because David doesn't clean his room, it's probably peeing on his clothes or or stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But- you know, all that to say he's telling Brandon this and Brandon says, bad puppy, which only matters because for some reason, Brenda is getting David yogurt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. He was like, where's Brenda with my yogurt? And I was like, why is Brenda getting you yogurt? He was like mad that she was taking a while. I'm like, bro, yeah. be grateful she's getting you any at all. Yeah. And then she, you know, has a whole scene where she runs into Roy Randolph, but we'll talk about that later. And she comes back and hands David the yogurt. And this is where Brandon calls her a good puppy. Sometimes (laughs) this show, (laughs) you know, for as much as I love it and as much as like it's so fun to talk about, sometimes I am just truly baffled by some choice words. I know. And it was, like, such a little throwaway. Like, he literally is just, like, good puppy. And, like, she mm-hmm. doesn't question it. Nobody does anything. It's just, like, oh, this is Brandon. Like, yeah, I came into something. But I'm just yeah, like, right. Gross. I know. It's weird. It's so weird. And then we jump forward a little bit more because, like, this episode goes fast, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And Brandon's walking – outside with Steve. Steve invites him to go play basketball and he's like, oh, I can't. The chancellor called me in, but we're still on for tonight, which is when Steve is like, no, I ran into Laura. She's, you know, studying for this part. I told her I'd help her audition. And Brandon's like, hey, isn't Laura the one that accused you of date rape? This is a bad idea. And he's like, no, 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 it's all good. Like, it's not like that. She just needs a friend or like just needs help with her lines. Like, it's no big deal. And it's like, mm, I don't know how many times that accusers become friends with the accused. Or no. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's 
it's not. It's not a thing. This is right. not a friendship that should happen. And like literally red flags everywhere. Every single person is like, this is a red flag. And Steve's just like, no, no, it's fine. I'm okay. Bye. And then he leaves the scene. Mm-hmm. So Brandon goes to the chancellor's office and yeah, apparently the Department of Education has done a paper on their task force. And I really like that he says this and is just like, I haven't read it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want you to read it. Like, they kind of get interrupted by Claire right after he says, I haven't read it. So I really thought that was the end of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was just, just going to be like, they wrote this. I didn't read it. <laughs> Well, and she, like, so Claire walks in, and she's, like, in, it seemed like a suit, but what we later learn is just her school uniform, um, which is fine. But I was just like, huh. And then she starts yeah. acting like this, like, good little girl, like, sweet, and I, it was very, um, what's that word that I'm looking for? Um... I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's just, like, I was confused, but I was also, like, startled by it, maybe, because I was like, wait a minute. To whom are you lying? Because it's either to Brandon or it's the Chancellor, and obviously I think it's the Chancellor, but, like, how, you know, where, where's the real Claire Arnold? I really want some more scenes where the Chancellor talks about Claire because, yeah, the, the last time we saw her with the chancellor was at that weekend. Mm -hmm. And she's even, like, hitting on Brandon in front of his quote-unquote girlfriend and, like, speaking French to him. And the chancellor's just like, we went to France. We have to leave now. <laughs> like, I feel like he knows that she is not this sweet little innocent girl. Maybe he does that thing where, like, it's all about perception. So he makes her act like a good little girl in front of people that he deems important. And then, but he really deep down knows like she's a, she's like a wild child or something. Maybe it's like a see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil kind of a thing. Like yeah. I don't see you doing it. I know you do, but like, we're not going to talk about it. And as long as you don't get in trouble, like whatever. Sure. That's what I'm convinced that all parents do. I'm convinced oh, yeah. that all parents know all the bad things that their kids do and just, like, don't say anything about it. I don't oh, know I've, why. Oh, no. I've told you. My mom has, like, almost, like, instilled that fear in me because she always told me that she has eyes everywhere. <laughs> and then, like, something would happen where I didn't think my mom knew about something, but then another parent, like, I guess told her in the network. And then my mom told me about it before I had a chance to tell her. And I was, like, convinced. I'm like, yeah. You got spies everywhere, and they know, and they tell you, so I can't ever do anything wrong and get it past you because of the network. That's just what she called it. I love that idea. I love a <laughs> network. Like, I'm just picturing your mom has, like, a spy set up, like, in her <laughs> office, and it's, like, not to spy on you, but it's just, like, it's where she gets all the communications from the other parents. It's like, like the, the cortex in Star Labs. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Because, <laughs> uh, oh. yeah, Claire is talking this whole thing of like, oh, we're going to be late for the museum. I'm pretty sure she calls him daddy or something, but like not in a weird way, but like it's still weird because Brandon's there. And then, yeah, he he ends up 
asking Brandon to read the report and get back to him on it. Brandon's like, no problem. Everybody's gone for the weekend. Because, oh, yeah, Jim and Cindy are doing some tax-deductible vacation this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that Cindy did not want emphasized tax-deductible. I know. And then <laughs> because she's crafty, I guess, mm-hmm. Claire has, like, snuck back in to hear Brandon say he's home alone and, like, makes a face at him. And then the chancellor sees nothing. He's just like, what are you staring at? That door that my daughter was just in. I know he looks so dumbfounded, but she was literally just just there giving him like a wink and a kiss and poof, she's gone. And so that's why I'm like, there's got to be some other episode where she got this confidence and knew how to push Brandon's buttons. Like there had to have been some missing scene or just something that happened off screen that we didn't get because it's too perfect. It's definitely so weird that, like, you know, Suzanne was gone for 10 episodes, Claire showed up once, and then was gone for five episodes, and we're just supposed to, like, accept them back into the world. Yeah. Because they did it with uh, Stuart, too. Like, they just keep doing this to us. It's like 30-plus episodes wasn't a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was saying earlier. I was talking to John, and I was like, I wonder if at some point the writers realized that, like, 32 episodes was not realistic to have season-long arcs. And so we're just like, well, we're going to write 22 good episodes and then, like, some 10 pretty good episodes. And then we'll just, like, sprinkle them in and it'll be fine. But they accidentally put, like, all 10 of them in the same place. Yeah. just split up the whole story. <laughs> and then they, like, have a list of everybody who's required to be in every episode. But then, like, a, a second list of the previous guest stars are, like, shorter arcs that they're like, we may need to call on these guys if these other ten episodes don't really pan out. Let's just make sure that they're free. Right? Like, oops, we only wrote a 35-minute episode instead of a 45-minute episode. Uh, What's Claire Arnold doing? <laughs> they also ran out of bird footage. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Birds and cars. We haven't seen birds and cars in a while. We really haven't. I mean, they're just missing out on all that stock footage. Mm-hmm. We did get a pretty long, like, tracking shot in the library at the beginning. But, like, they could have had birds and then the library. Right, right. Or, like, Brenda uh, going to the library in her car. Wait, does she have a car? Wait, Okay. Brenda has to wait for Brandon to drive her to the library. Then they drive silently on the way to the library. Then we see birds outside the library while Brenda walks to the library. Then Brenda's in the library. Perfect. That's it. Gave least them like two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't get any of that. No. Because the next thing we see, Brandon is like home alone preparing to read this very long paper like unrealistically wrong considering the lack of work that this task force (laughs) has done yeah it's like they had to like fill it up with synonyms for education and teaching and task force to fill it up but then and useless (laughs) and useless 100 percent they have a whole section that's biographies of everyone on the task force as well as the glowing article about Brandon. Yep. So really it's just like a scrapbook. <laughs> <laughs> and the last line is all this to say 
what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to end with like, we're very excited for Brandon Walsh to come meet the president Mm -hmm. at the end of this season. Gosh. Like, I swear, whatever they were holding up was probably just, like, the script for this episode, but, like, it is too long to be a paper. Mm-hmm. 100%. It was like a novella. It was so long. <laughs> but, like, he's getting ready to, you know, start working on this, and Claire shows up at the house and will not stop knocking on the door. And then – She's like – Yeah. And then as soon as she, like, the door's open, she's like, can I come in? And just walks in. Yeah. No, she is, like <sighs> – She's a little extra. Like, I think yeah. she's being a little manic here because, yeah, she just, like, keeps knocking. It even looks like she was going to keep knocking when he opened the door, then lets herself in, then, like, drops her bag on Brandon's foot and then just, like, can't stop saying really just odd things for the conversation because she says, like, yeah, I'm into sex, rock, and really decent literature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like – what? And like, well, first of all, I thought it was actually hilarious. I know this is like later on in the scene, but she like in that giant bag of hers, it kind of felt like the big comfy couch or something because she all of a sudden picks out like a quite large boombox. <laughs> and I was like, is that the only thing you have in there? Or, <laughs> but yeah, she pulls that out to listen to it and then does this like weird dancing. And I'm like, Girl, if you knew Brandon, you'd know that is not the way into his heart or his bed. (laughs) My God, what if he was just like, I'm going to stop you right there? (laughs) No. Yeah. But like, he's not exactly telling her no at all because she's like, I lied to my dad. And he's like, okay, fine. You can, you know, I'll drive you over to a friend's house. She's like, well, my friend went to a really late movie and she's not going to be home until 10. He's like, all right, fine. You can stay here until 10. Because she says if he doesn't let her stay, she will hitch a ride to the beach and just get into some, like, very clearly dangerous car. Like, oh, no. This is kind of the problem. I mean, there's a big problem with that. But, like, specific to this, this is the wrong thing, or I guess the right thing to say, if you think about it that way, to a guy that likes to be the savior, right? Because, like, he... He would never let her go do that. And Mm -hmm. she apparently either knows that or guessed right. Because that's like the perfect thing to say to somebody who has a savior complex. Is I need you to save me from doing something bad or doing something um, dangerous or something like that. And while he doesn't like overtly say, no, you, you know, I wouldn't let you do that. You can stay here. Like he does give some concessions like, okay, you can stay here until 10. You can do this. Whatever, he does put up some boundaries. But yeah, it's not like he's like saying no to her advances. And my question is, why does Brandon get all the girls that just force themselves onto him and he's the like saint about it? Because he's the good boy of the show. Like it's on purpose. He's supposed to be this irresistible hunk that no one can take their eyes off of including the chancellor and the dean (laughs) and he's supposed to be like no no that's not right that would be wrong i just for once want brandon to pursue a girl which feels weird for me to say that 
because every time he has pursued a girl, it's been like, he's too pushy, you know? And so I'm like, well, with these girls that like Lucinda and Claire now, it's like, okay, he's getting a dose of his own medicine, but it's not like he's learning anything. No. And I think that's like, we really need a good middle ground somehow. I just don't know where we'll get it. Well, I do. And it rhymes with Schmelly. God, you're right. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um, because oh my god, I just the next scene we like skip ahead again, and Steve calls Brandon to brag about how amazing he's doing with Laura, and he's playing a Game Boy, and then they hear giggling, and Steve Brandon's like, "Was that you?" And Steve's I don't remember what he says. He's like, "I fart. I don't giggle." <laughs> yeah. And then you find out that, like, Claire is just picking up the other extension <laughs> and listening to them talking. And I was like, Brandon, alarm bells. Right? Like, come on. And then presumably she hangs up the phone so that Brandon can say she's dangerously cute. I can't get my mind off of her. She's got the body of a centerfold and the mind of a volcano. And Brandon has a type. Oh, my God. <laughs> he so does. Oh my gosh, he really, really does. You know what? Brandon is Dawson Leary, but different. <laughs> oh my gosh, he kind of is, yeah. Well, like in a lot of ways, like not in the super fixated on one specific interest kind of way, but like yeah. the type, because I was going to say this earlier, but now's the perfect time to say it because it got me bring up Dawson again, but Claire reminds me a lot of Eve, who now you're familiar with in Dawson's yep. Creek. That's even what I, once you said that, I was like, oh, she's Eve. Mm-hmm. She might Wild. even be a little bit. Well, I don't know how far you've gotten, so I can't say that. Yeah, I'm not much farther past Eve. I kind of okay. took a pause on Dawson's Creek because Dawson is very one-dimensional. Oh, like, he is not the most interesting person in the show <laughs> by a long, by a long shot. I do love those shows, though, where, like, the main character is the one you're supposed to be interested in. And I'm like, but tell me about somebody else. Yeah, let's learn about Pacey for a little right? while. For the whole show. <laughs> yeah, because to get back to Claire. Yeah. Who, I I will be honest, I do want a day in the life of Claire Arnold. I just need to see what she is like. Because she comes into the room in, like, a beret and, like... <laughs> lingerie and is just like leaning against his door and is just like I lied earlier I'm not going to my friend's house <laughs> and she would have looked so cute had she not had that like tweed beret and I think I she had shoes on that were not like sexy shoes combat boots <laughs> It worked Which, like, without the hat. If you took the hat away, just lace bodysuit or bodysuit with shoulder bows and combat <laughs> boots. No, I was like really into it, except I could not stop looking at the beret. I know. I was like, Ugh. did you just like give yourself hat hair earlier and now you can't <laughs> do anything about it? Or did the chancellor's secretary also know that Emily Valentine wore berets? Ooh. <laughs> oh my God. What if the chancellor's secretary just has, like, photos of Brandon's girlfriend? Like, she's just got, like, you know how people have pictures of their kids? 
on their desk. <laughs> She's got photos of Brandon and they just happen to have other girls in them. She developed MySpace before MySpace was a thing. <laughs> like, she just got a top eight of all of uh, Brandon's girlfriends and then just, like, made profiles for them without, like, them doing it. It's like she just put all their interests in and then, yeah, she she developed a social network. She developed MySpace for the Chancellor. <laughs> for Tom. <laughs> I was imagining a manila folder, but when you open it up, it like it's like one of those wallets where all the photos fall out. Like... <laughs> just tumble down and it's just Brandon's girlfriend. <laughs> I can totally see that. Oh my god. That's what was in the Department of Education file. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's what the task force is about the whole time? They just told Brandon it was for something else? <laughs> it's just it's Brandon. The task force is Brandon. <laughs> oh my gosh. How do we make Brandon work harder? <laughs> no but really like well <laughs> lucinda's behind the whole thing this is actually her documentary is ma putting brandon on the task force and he like comes up with really stupid ideas but the actors playing everyone else on the task force are like yeah that's fantastic you should present it then they write that incredibly long thing from the department of education who would never write that long of a thing on this task force oh my and gosh just like Claire works for Lucinda. Oh my gosh. She's I'm taking an AP this. course. Like legit, this would make this would make sense for Lucinda and it would make her just an even greater villain because like she's really behind this whole thing the whole time. She's still involved. Oh man. Her bag is full of gargoyles with hidden cameras in them. <laughs> Claire, when she leaves, she just sticks one up somewhere in the wash house. <laughs> Cindy comes home and is like, I don't remember buying that. Brenda! Oh, well. <laughs> Jim Brenda, got it at the swap meet. <laughs> I was going to say something about the swap meet, but I can't. I couldn't think of something fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, that would, it just makes everything make so much more sense in my mind because, like, yeah, Brenda shows up at the house. Brandon runs downstairs to go talk to her, and then he comes back, and Claire has handcuffed herself to his lamp and is like, oh, you want to get rid of me? Well, the key is hidden somewhere on me. Which – where? <laughs> She's I think wearing – I think my favorite part was when she was just like glances not subtly at titties. <laughs> but see, I'm sitting over here just being like, did you eat it? <laughs> yeah, my first thought was like, it's in her mouth. She's going to swallow <laughs> it and get stuck there. I mean, she could have hidden it in nature's pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because good guy Brandon, who literally says that he's a good guy later, is just like, I'm not playing this game. Good night. And shuts the lights <laughs> and closes the door. I love how he just, like, he doesn't just close the door. He turns off the lights. Like, to me, I don't know why, but it made me giggle. I kind of loved it. He was just like, no, and left. <laughs> See, and that's, again, savior complex. He wants to keep her in a safe environment, but he cannot be near her because he will then, you know, do what she wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he ends up going and sleeping on the couch. And, like, this wraps up 
really quickly again. Apparently, she has called a cab from upstairs. The honking of the cab wakes Brandon up. She comes downstairs and asks him if he molested her in her sleep and then was like, oh, it must have been a dream. And I was like, no, 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 no. Stop. Please don't even joke about like, yeah, the word molest is what threw me off. Like, and I hate that that was ever a thing that you could just joke about. And like, yeah, Laura is in this episode. So my mind immediately went to like, this is not safe. You should not be alone with this girl. And then. For some reason, yeah, Brandon takes this as like, oh, you had a sex dream about me. That's really hot. And says like, normally I'm not such a Boy Scout. And then Claire leaves and is like, we'll do this again. And if you think we won't, tell my father, I dare you. He won't believe you. Kisses him, which Brandon's into, and -hmm. leaves. And she is so manipulative. And it's like scary and exciting at the same time. So I guess I'm Brandon in this situation. (laughs) No. And and that's Brandon. So, Mary, what else happened this week? Suzanne has a new boyfriend named Mustache Glasses. I mean, Kevin Weaver. Erica doesn't like him, but she's also really busy studying every angle of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Also, Kevin lives in Orange County, so she doesn't want her mom to get married and move them away from Dylan. Dylan convinces Erica to give Kevin a chance, and he and Kevin bond over surfing. Also, Dylan stops Kevin from getting run over by a bus. Which is the weirdest ending to that story that they could have come up with. He almost just got Regina Georged. (laughs) That was the first thing I thought of. (laughs) It just made no sense. I was trying to think back. If there was any foreshadowing, because, you know, in Mean Girls, there is foreshadowing when Katie says, like, it's like, I feel like I got hit by a big yellow school bus. And no, there was no foreshadowing. This just randomly happened. Yeah. No, there was nothing. And (laughs) yeah, so like this one goes really fast, too. I feel like all of the storylines actually went really fast. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, you find out that Dylan is picking up all of these conspiracy books for Erica from the school library. And like, I got to say in, you know, future times, AKA now, Erica definitely has a podcast. Oh, for sure. And she probably would have started one of the like really popular true crime ones. Yeah. No, she's like one of the, like get it on the ground floor. It's got so many episodes by now just because she's been doing it so long She's going to get really into like HTML and whatnot and create web forums that people can talk about it on message boards. Like this girl is going to be a pioneer and I've just decided this for her. (laughs) Love that journey for her. Right. (laughs) I did write the girls see some guy with Suzanne and Eric. He tries to offer Erica a milkshake (laughs) and he has a creepy mustache. Yes. I also thought he looks like Geraldo Rivera, and I could not unsee it. He definitely oh my did. <laughs> Michael came in the room while I was watching. He goes, oh, my God, is that Geraldo? And then, like, I paused it on his face, and, you, and I was like, no, Geraldo was younger in the 90s, but it looks like him when he's older. Right? Like, I could not look away. I was like, it's like Geraldo and Mark Marin had a baby. But also a little bit of the dad in Cadet Kelly. 
<laughs> and he's been in tons of other stuff. I just can't think of it right now. No, I just like once I saw Geraldo, I was like, well, it actually kind of works out then that Erica's really into conspiracy theories because Geraldo. True. But yeah, I mean, she just like does not like this guy. She tells the girls that this is her mom's new boyfriend. And then Dylan finally comes in and like brings the books to Erica. And I guess we find out that he knows about Kevin, but has not met him before. I guess because like he just walks in, he meets Kevin and then brings the books to Erica. And that's all we get of that scene. Yeah, and then later he's working on his motorcycle. Suzanne comes over and is like, I really like Kevin, but Erica doesn't like him. And he's like, oh, I'll talk to Erica for you. Done. Yeah, end of that scene. I can't and I'm like scrolling and scrolling. Yeah. Because uh, then we don't get another Dylan scene until much later when they're back at the Peach Pit. Is that right? Yeah, because he goes and he finds Erica at the Peach Pit where she's reading one of the books. And she tells him that she doesn't want to give Kevin a chance because he reminds her of Lewis Payne, who is John Wilkes Booth's getaway driver. And Dylan understands. <laughs> I know. And then, like, because this is moving so fast, he's just like, but that's not really what this is about, is it? And she's like, no, it's because he lives in Orange County and if they get married, I might never see you again. And he's like, that's not going to happen. And she's like, okay. And I think that's it. That's yeah, because then like the last thing that happens with them is literally just Suzanne saying, "Hey, thank you for talking to Erica. I guess it just took you talking to her to get her to like be the perfect little girl." Yeah, it just and it doesn't make sense to me because then, yeah, like the last scene that we get of them is at the Peach Pit again. Where Dylan is having lunch with Suzanne and Kevin, where they find out that they tell him that Erica's been nicer to Kevin. Kevin brings up that he surfs, and Suzanne is like, Oh my God, you guys haven't talked about this before? Like, Suzanne. <laughs> they met <This> yesterday. Is- <laughs> <laughs> and so apparently he's developed some sort of science technology to help him surf better and is like come look at it it's in my car this proprietary technology that nobody else has is sitting in my jeep down the street p.s i need a financial backer by right? the way so clear where this is leading mm-hmm. and then he tries to walk in front of us and dylan saves him and now they're bonded for life Like I said, so weird. And without any foreshadowing, I was like, I literally had to almost like scan back through the episode to look for any other scenes um, or any other like lines that were said that would imply a bus or getting hit by a bus or almost dying. I I don't know. And yeah, it was just the most random thing because then it, it also lingers a bit too long because like, here comes the bus. Dylan pulls him out of the way breathing heavy Kevin says like oh you've got a friend for life or something like that and then it just stays on them while they're both just kind of like looking both ways across the street again and then it finally cuts away I have a theory that I just came up with while you were talking 
and it's wild. It is like it is very out there. But we've been, you know, pretty confident in the past that Suzanne is trying to manipulate Dylan, right? Yeah, or swindle in some way. Yeah. Um so what if like somehow he Kevin manufactured walking in front of that bus that Dylan would save his life because Dylan couldn't save Jack's life. That's and a good theory. Gives him like a father figure kind of a thing. Hmm. Like out there. Totally out there. But like you really want Dylan to feel connected to this guy so that like no questions asked. He's going to be throwing money at him because that's mm-hmm. what Suzanne did. She was like – Here's a picture of me and your father. And Dylan's like, I don't even care that this background check showed that you have money in your account. Here's more. Basically, what you're saying is it wouldn't take much to get Dylan to be like bonded to you for life, but it has to be something. It has to be daddy issues. <laughs> like, it, it's. Dylan doesn't have a father. He like almost got to have a relationship with him before he got, you know, still not I still don't believe he's actually dead. But I feel like they're they're doing something to be like, well, Dylan didn't get to save his dad, so now he's gonna save you. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna like, you know, do something psychologically in his head and he'll give us money. It's a good theory. It's out there, and I'm sure it won't mean anything, but I like it. <laughs> um, anything else about Dylan before we move on again? I don't think so. All right, Mary. Take it away. Andrea doesn't fit in her own clothes anymore, so she's wearing Jesse's. She's worried that soon even his clothes aren't going to fit. Kelly offers Andrea some of Jackie's old maternity dresses. She tries one on, and it doesn't fit. Andrea's concerned something is wrong, so she goes to the doctor, who assures her her weight is in a normal range, and also everything else looks fine. Also, David and Donna struggle to be puppy parents. <sighs> this is like a two-sentence thing. <laughs> right? I, I feel like this is more, like, kind of fat-shamey on Andrea, and I don't get it. And also, like... Kelly has made these comments about, like, I'm going to support you. I'm going to help you, blah, 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 blah. And she knew Jackie had the maternity clothes, and we waited until Andrea is, like, I don't know, eight months pregnant, I'm guessing, by the size of her belly. Yeah, and, like, I mean, maybe it was a situation where she – I don't know. I mean, we know – because they've been building this up that we know that Andrea has been eating a lot and gaining a lot more weight. But, yeah, not to the point where – I guess she couldn't fit into her clothes until now. But yeah, I mean, you would think that would have been mentioned earlier, but I guess they had to wait to like make you really believe she was really gaining weight and fast, apparently. I mean, it is kind of fast if you think about the fact that like she's only been pregnant for this semester, mm-hmm. but like that's just TV stuff. Like, I don't, I don't know. I have nothing really yeah. about it, right? Because yeah, then for some reason, Donna and David bring the maternity clothes over to Andrea. Mm-hmm. And this is when they bring the puppy over to see them. And the puppy is, like, getting into everything. And they have a weird conversation with Jesse and Andrea about, like, being new parents. And 
the David we know and are very familiar with starts talking shit to Donna and it, she's like, I don't want to do this in front of everyone. Yeah, because it's it's embarrassing to argue with your person in front of other people. In their house. Mm-hmm. Like, we just walked in and we're going to start yelling at each other in front of you. Like, you don't do that. And also, Rocky wasn't doing anything wrong. Like, he, he was sniffing around the briefcase. Andrea picked yeah. him up. Like, he was totally fine. But David was, like, super paranoid that he was just going to, like, be a terror. Yeah, he was, like, sniffing Andrea's shoes. Like, mm-hmm. what pet doesn't? I don't know. I, maybe my cats are horribly trained, but my cats love meeting new people once they, like, get familiar. Like, if somebody new comes in, they'll run. But then they come back <laughs> out and are like, oh, you don't smell like me. Let me help you with that. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. Like, like, Noodle loves new people. She just wants to go jump on you and lick your face and weave through your legs and – yeah, that's what puppies – that's what animals do. They they generally like to just check things out. Yeah. Like, I I just haven't met a puppy that doesn't do at least some of that stuff at least some of the time. Like, he's mm-hmm. so little. He just – he wants to explore. Well, and puppies explore with their mouths. So – Yeah. I, I see no anyway. problem with it. But yeah. then, like, you know, Donna hands – Andrea the dresses and it's like it's the baby style baby doll style that everyone's wearing already so like it's totally cool clothes and you won't have to worry because Andrea makes a comment earlier about how like thank goodness grunge is in because I have to wear Jesse's clothes mm-hmm. and then she puts the dress on over all the clothes she's already wearing so not even remotely shocked that it ripped and then she makes a comment about how she has to stop eating. And I'm like, you can't stop eating. There's a baby. You're growing another human being inside you who is reliant on your nutrients. Yeah. And so, you know, she's been so stressed out. She and Jesse go to a doctor's appointment. They do an ultrasound. They're like, you know, yeah, you've gained a lot of weight, but that's normal. Like, you're still in the ordinary range for pregnancy. And then... Jesse's super helpful and is like, that's what I told her. And she's like, um, no, you didn't. You just told me I forget what she even said, but she's just like, um, no, you didn't. Yeah, she says that he said her body chemistry is out of whack. That's right, yeah. Which is like probably true, but maybe don't try and mansplain pregnancy weight gain and pregnancy to Andrea, the person who is pregnant, who is also <laughs> pre-med. This is not your space. Well, and then, like, you know, she even says, no, no, no. Like, I don't call it whatever you want, but something's wrong. Like, I feel like something is wrong. Um, I I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what it is, but something feels wrong. Yeah. And we end there, which, you know, kind of makes me think that something is wrong. And we're going to, like that's going to happen to Andrea at some point and she's not just going to get to go through her pregnancy like happy healthy full term etc right which she says something is wrong she knows something is wrong with her i think you know that's an important thing that people are still trying to learn to deal with of like listen to your patients when they tell you they don't feel good exactly and that's the end of that story <laughs> Yes, Mary, do you want to tell us about Brenda? I sure will. Brenda decides to audition for a production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, directed by Roy Randolph, who looks like a sketchy pirate. 
She's going for the lead. And Cindy's like, don't get your hopes up because she's a freshman. Um. Oh, yeah. Kelly is supportive and helps her practice for her audition. Brenda convinces her to audition for a smaller part in the play. Brenda's convinced she's got it, though, after she runs into Roy in the cafeteria and tells him all the facts she looked up about him. She has some competition for the role of Maggie, however. Remember Laura Kingman? Like we said earlier, Steve overhears her loudly rehearsing. She's convincing enough for him to believe she's actually in distress. They sort of awkwardly address what happened in their Take Back the Night episode, and Steve helps her practice for her audition. Kelly shows up late to the audition and catches Captain Roy's attention. She's the very last one to read for the part, which ends up being for the lead instead of for the smaller role she intended. Brenda crawls on the ground. After the callback list is posted, Laura runs into Brenda with all of the information. Laura, Brenda, and Kelly are in the running for the lead role. Kelly is the front runner, apparently, and she made a great impression on Captain Roy, and they even got a cappuccino after her audition. I don't have a lot to say about this. I have a couple of things. Um, number one, super happy we finally get like an actual plot that involves Brenda. So much so that we even started the show with Brenda this time. Um, she also, I think, is having quite the glow up. Not that she ever needed to glow up. But this is the first time I know she has kind of like the Rachel hair going on. Um, and I thought she could really pull that off um but yeah so that's my first comment is that i'm just really happy we actually get a brenda plot line and it's something that like is very believable about her you know we know she loves to act so yeah and i i appreciate that they showed her like doing research and preparing for a role and wanting to read lines and you know all that kind of stuff because yeah my first note is brenda looking cute af in the library Mm-hmm. and then I had to try and figure out what the music was originally supposed to be in this scene because the music they had did not match and really took me out of it, and it was so wrong, and the original song was supposed to be On Broadway by George Benson. So different. Yeah, and, like, so good for the scene. Right. Oh, my gosh. This was, like, puddle of mud. (laughs) Yeah. I actually could not figure out what the song was. I kept, like, typing lyrics into Google and I could not figure it out. And I was like, it's just not important enough to keep going because I probably spent 10 minutes on this one scene. Oh my gosh. But yeah, the song just like completely took me out of it. I didn't even realize what she was researching until she started talking to Dylan and was like, oh, okay. Because I was so focused on the song. I know. Yeah. And it I had to like rewind it a few times just to like see if I could notice anything specific. But yeah, it's it's just this guy at the at this time, we didn't know who he was, but this guy named Randolph who's apparently coming to see you as like a guest director or something, because that Yeah, I guess happens. So. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that Dylan just played like Mr. Exposition. Yep. Or she was like, yeah, have you heard of Roy Randolph? And he was like, actually, yes. And just like read off fun facts about him. Which like, I do I- have a fun fact of Dylan's fun fact. Oh, yeah? Holly Hunter, who was this, who was in that adaptation of Streetcar before she hit it big. Holly Hunter is from Warner Robins, Georgia. Oh, really? 
Mm-hmm. There's a whole little scene at the Peach Pit where Brenda has to show up for the sorority meeting and they let Erica join and whatever. Mm-hmm. But then that night, I guess after dinner, she starts helping Cindy clean up. And Cindy's like, hey, will you come put these pots away? And C- Brenda comes over speaking in a southern drawl like, oh, yes, mama, I will. Mm-hmm. And that was my amazing southern accent. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. It's it's so funny hearing somebody that like has lived in the South for the majority of their life but doesn't really have a Southern accent do a Southern accent because then I'm like, hang on. It's really in you. I know it's there because <laughs> you don't live here for at least 15 years and not develop some sort of at least like certain words that come out. Whereas for me, it's like, I grew up having a really like pretty thick Southern accent. And then as I got older, it like went away and occasionally it'll come out, especially if I'm around my mom. Yeah. I've had my family from the North come down and be like, why doesn't you or your friends, why doesn't anybody have Southern accents? It's like, we just don't. Yeah. It's just not there. It's just so weird. I've talked about it before with some other people where it's like, I think we've been so conditioned to the Southern accent sounding um, uneducated or unintelligent that a lot of us have wanted to force it out of us <laughs> as we've grown up. At least I have. And so, but yeah, then occasionally I'll just say something. And it'll just come out. And I'm like, oh gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah. I was not born in Georgia, but I've lived here for like 99.8% of my life. <laughs> And after a certain number of sips of alcohol, the accent does come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's just bound to happen. I, yeah. But for Brenda and everybody else who attempts a Southern accent in this in this show, you can tell they have the, um, like, South Carolina Charleston kind of accent. They don't just have, mm-hmm. like, a cowboy accent or anything like that. It's got to be a, that, like, Southern drawl, front porch, sipping iced tea kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, like, even Cindy is like, oh, that accent's not really good. Mm -hmm. She's like, Brenda, maybe you should, like, lower your sights. Like, aim lower. Let's, like, start at the ground floor and move on up. And I was like, Cindy, that's that's a little rude. I mean, probably right, but, like, shouldn't you be, like, encouraging your child to follow their dreams? Right, like – I think I was a little confused because they've seen Brenda act before. Granted, she like switched it up on him when, you know, they, she was supposed to get naked, but doesn't, but like, this is your daughter's like passion. You would never tell Brandon to like, not shoot for the stars when it comes to his political career, or even when he was trying out for basketball, like you wouldn't tell him, oh, we'll just go for JV, even though that's what he made, you know? And let's be honest, we've talked about this before. Brenda whole ass is one thing. Mm-hmm. She is not half-assing in this audition. She is going straight for the starring role. Exactly. And then, you know, she says Kelly's going to help her run lines. This is where we find out that Steve is going to help Laura run her lines. And then it's that next day again back in the student center where she's getting David yogurt and she runs into Roy Randolph and 
is, yeah, pretty much just like, oh, my God, I researched you. And then he makes all these really uncomfortable comments because we do find out later that, like, he's super into sleeping with young actresses, which is, like, very predatory and not Mm -hmm. okay and, like, really weird that you brought – they brought Laura back into this episode and then had the whole thing with Claire and this man who likes to sleep with 18-year-old girls, and I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah, the theme of this episode, unfortunately, very much seemed like it was focus on the young, but not yeah, in it a was good way. Unwanted sexual attention. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, he talks about – he gives her hints for her audition the next day and says he likes fetching love-starved and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then tells her to stop reading and walking, which I took to be stop reading. And it's like <laughs> yeah. – Nothing should inhibit the moves of a dangerous woman. And then she, like, walks away in, like, a very sexy manner where he clearly watches her and he's like, bravo. It's like, stop. Everyone, stop. Like, I don't need to actually see the male gaze on screen. I know it's there. Right. Like, it didn't need to just be revealed to us. We already know what that is. A bunch of stuff from other storylines happen. We get to where Kelly and Brenda are being adorable sitting next to the pool running lines and this Mm -hmm. is where brenda says that kelly should try out for may and says it's a small part you can totally handle it and i was like that kind of feels like a little bit of a dig but i guess we're okay with it well and i think too like yeah it kind of sounds like a dig but at the same time it's like okay if kelly's never acted before that's something that would be good for her to move into and also like if she's nervous, which clearly, you know, she was like, oh, stage fright and like, oh, I don't know if I could ever do that. Then that's something that could help combat that, too, and get her used to the stage and used to eyes being on her and stuff like that. But, yeah, it comes across as like, yeah, you can go for like this small role. She doesn't go the whole like there's no small parts, only small actors or whatever. She goes full in on. No, you should get a small part. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, like, Kelly even makes a comment of, like, oh, yeah, I used to really love acting up until, like, sixth grade when I froze in front of the school. Mm-hmm. And then Brenda brings back up the Take Back the Night week because mm-hmm. we just really need to make sure that everybody remembers Laura and why she exists. Gosh, I know. And I didn't realize how much they were doing that until you've been mentioning it this whole time. I could not get it out of my head. They just kept doing it over and over and over again. And then Dylan shows up to pick up Kelly, who, you know, she tells him, oh, I think I'm going to audition. And he, like, I don't remember exactly what he says first, but then he basically says, like, you can do anything you set your mind to. And I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a little scene of Laura and Steve rehearsing lines and she gets like super into the role and keeps trying to like kiss Steve and get all up on him. And it was making me really uncomfortable because of everything we've been talking about. So I'm fine to move on. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> the next day is the audition. Which, I have something, a fun fact about this. Um, Ooh, tell me everything. Well, actually, we, we're not there yet because we're, we're at the part where we see, like, all the people in the, in the room waiting to go on. So we're almost there. Okay. Yeah, because this is, like, I guess Roy and his little sidekick or whatever are giving a speech to everybody. And Kelly comes in late. So, like, very 
you know, obviously is seen by Roy. Mm-hmm. And this is where, like, Kelly talks about that Roy is so cute. They see that Steve is here with Laura and also mention everything. Because they, I think it's Brenda says that Laura is bent enough to play the lead role. And I was like, yeah, can we just not? It's just, yeah, there's a lot of not only problematic in terms of, like, remember Laura because she was the one who accused Steve of sexual assault, like, like all that. But it's also poor taste when referring to her the whole time because like even though Brandon like had mentioned that there's red flags here when Steve had even just mentioned that they were hanging out but now it's like they're using words that are meant to associate with like bad mental health with her but they say it in like like really bad ways yeah it's a lot of the whole like stigmatizing mental health that was like really popular and fun and is thankfully falling out of it now where people are like oh she's so crazy like that's mm-hmm. a bad thing and it's like but no you could talk about like you don't you don't have to talk about people that way right exactly yeah and so I mean they go inside for the auditions the first guy that we see is like really bad and tries to run his lines a second time and just forgets all of them this is my fun fact time <gasps> tell me everything This guy, who I recognized almost immediately, is none other than Gary Bertier in Remember the Titans. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I thought he looked familiar and I just didn't look him up. I was like, eh, whatever. It's fine. Nobody's anybody in this episode. Like, I heard his voice and my, like, because I was like typing. And so I heard his voice and my head like snapped over to the screen and then I saw his face, and then he did, like, a smirk or something toward the end, and that's when I knew for sure. I'd, I didn't even have to look it up, but then I did later just to confirm because I didn't want to be wrong. But, yep, one Gary Bertier, Superman from oh Remember the Titans. Oh, my goodness. That movie's good. Right? It's my all-time favorite sports movie. Next after Gary is Brenda. Who goes whole ass in on it. <laughs> Like, you know, does a little, like, flirty thing with Roy when she first gets up there because he's, like, Brenda Walsh. And she's, like, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, gets, like, all into it, crawling on the floor, just doing the most. And this – I think this was when even the stage director, like, says to Roy Randolph I – for- I didn't write down exactly what comment – he said, but he basically calls him creepy. He's like, oh, I know you like them young or something like that. Yeah, he's like, I think you took this job just to get close to young actresses. Yep. And like Brenda even says earlier that some like famous quote from Roy is like, the only thing I need is a stage in a bedroom, preferably attached or something. Yikes. It's like, bro, please don't. Which, this is just like, I mean, it's it's relevant, but I just hate that there was ever a stigma or that it was okay for directors or basically men in charge of a film set, a play, a, you know, TV, wherever, that it was just okay and normal to sleep with young actresses well, because like, like they should just expect them to fawn all over them. 
Well, and it's like, it's a power dynamic thing. It's like, you know, a lot of young actresses being, you know, new and knowing that this guy can like discover new talent is like, well, if I don't do it, he's going to write me off and then I'm not going to get anything and I'll never know my worth and like all this stuff. And like, you know, not going to name names or say anything specific because I don't want to like, you know, bring up any emotions in listeners. But like, this is a thing that has come to light very frequently with a lot of men in power and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And like this episode is kind of making a joke of it. Right. Or at least just insinuating that this is normal and you should just accept it. And like, yeah, they're throwing way too many like sex things into this episode and like unwanted advances and like mm-hmm. – Actually, now, like, at first I was like, this episode's boring, and now I'm like, this episode's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Also boring, but mostly uncomfortable. Right. And And it doesn't get any better, because then, like, the next scene in this storyline, like, Kelly is about to leave, or she's, like, even trying to leave, because I guess it's been taking forever. There's been a lot of people that have come through. But the director notices that she's about to leave, and so he goes after her. Um, to basically convince her not only to stay in audition, but to audition for the lead role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he makes all these comments like, I've waited all day to hear you read. I won't let you walk out of my audition, all this stuff. And then it kind of like skips to the next morning where David and Donna are arguing about the puppy because the puppy is, you know, peeing everywhere and like, Again, he's a puppy. Like, it sucks, but you do have to potty train him. Mm -hmm. And, like, rubbing his nose in it, like Donna says, in my opinion, not the way to do it. But I've also never had to potty train. Like, we got our cats litter trained. I've never had to do it. Definitely the the rub the dog's nose in it is, like, a very old school way of thinking. And a lot of times now it's, like, you actually don't scold the dog for doing it. You just immediately – Go pick them up calmly, take them outside, show them where to go, then praise and if they're food motivated, give them a treat for going outside. Eventually, they'll catch on that inside, bad, outside, I get a treat. And Mm. then you're good. (laughs) Which is what I would prefer. I don't want to be yelled at for doing something wrong. I want to be given a cookie for doing it right. Yep. And let me tell you, with potty training, that's easier. With some stuff, very difficult. Like, it is oh, a lot sure. easier in some cases to be like, no, don't do that, instead of rewarding for behavior that they are doing. It's yeah, it's hard, but it's effective. Yeah, it's just – David's weird in this episode because it's like it's not your dog. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. It's very clearly Donna's dog. Right. Like, you just live with it. And it sucks when you live with, you know, a pet that's not well-trained, but – sure. We'll get there. But all of this to say, like, they have that whole scene and then you see Kelly wake up and come out and Brenda's called and it's like, hey, the callbacks are going to be up at 11. Do you want to go with me? And Kelly says no and hangs up. And that's when Donna reveals to the audience that Kelly ended up uh, auditioning for the lead role instead mm-hmm. of the smaller role she'd originally intended to. And Kelly's like, Ugh, whatever. Like, he was just doing that to be nice. It means nothing. But it means a whole lot because she didn't tell Brenda that. So Brenda has no idea that she auditioned for the lead role, which would definitely upset her for more reasons than 
just the fact that it she didn't tell her. Yeah, and then she ends up the way she finds out is that Laura comes up to her at wherever the callbacks have been posted says you know, you and I both got called back and Kelly Taylor. Oh yeah, she read for the lead role and went out for cappuccinos with Roy afterwards. Which that gave me very L Woods and Victor Garber vibes. Like because I could yes, I could see Kelly going to get cappuccino. We actually don't know if that's true if she actually went. We just know that Laura heard that, but I could see that happening because Kelly was probably just trying to be nice and maybe get some notes or something like that. Or so she thought then I could easily see Roy Randolph hitting on her at the coffee shop, wherever they get the cappuccino and her denying the advances. Cause obviously a, she has a boyfriend, but B that's not how she does things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I could see like laura kind of being the like selma blair of it all of like knowing all this gossip and then like talking shit about it later mm-hmm. and there's just there's no uh other person to be like you don't actually know what you're talking about it could be steve if they actually wanted to give him a redeeming storyline <laughs> oh my gosh could you imagine if somehow the legally blonde story like just fell into 90210 but for theater instead of law and yeah steve <laughs> becomes the luke wilson <laughs> I, I just it. I do too and I just watched Legally Blonde as well because like it Me just too. came on Netflix yeah I think I watched it on like Friday or something and god I love that movie so much it's so good that might be one of my most easily quoted movies too I mean that's a really easy one to quote and like I think it was this year that the musical was supposed to come mm-hmm. and then it just didn't because of everything. Well, and, and, just... and Reese announced that like they are going to do a third Legally Blonde. Oh, I remember. So... I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. Ugh. I'm telling There's... you, this year, or I guess the 2020 to 2021 fiscal <laughs> 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 has been like the year of Taylor Swift. And the year of, like, sort of Reese Witherspoon, because she was in Little Fires Everywhere. She was in, um, oh, what was the other thing that she was in that I watched? Well, Big Little Lies Season 2. And then she oh, announced yeah. that Legally Blonde is coming out. And then I know she's had her Hello Sunshine book club for a while. But it's like, she still, like, has that keep going up. So I feel like my most followed celebrities of this fiscal <laughs> has been Taylor and Reese. And I'm not mad about it. I feel like this just says that you have a thing for blonde women. Taylor, Reese, Kelly. Everybody knows this. This is no secret. <laughs> I mean, same. Yeah. Yeah. Well. My my two friends. <laughs> well, for me, it all starts and ends with Blake Lively. So that's fair. If only we could have a 902 reboot, another one, <laughs> <laughs> and Blake Lively plays Kelly Taylor. That would be fun. Except it'd have to be, like, it would have to be a reboot of the original. Like, a similar thing, but make it the original. How do you think the 90210 girls would react to the Gossip Girl girls? Like, Blair and Kelly. But I think Brenda would absolutely love 
uh, Georgina. Okay. Uh, Michelle Trachtenberg's character. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because she was diabolical. Like, Brenda and her would get along so well. And I feel like Kelly would want to save uh, little Jay. Yeah, I could see that. Man. They really just, like, love putting in, like, the angry brunette woman with, like, the pretty blondes. Yep. Like, oh, man. So who's Chuck Bass? Is Chuck Bass Dylan? Steve. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, like, I could easily see the creators of Gossip Girl, like, maybe even going back to the books, like, watching 90210 and just being like, I'm going to pick them up from here, <laughs> and I'm going to put them over here, <laughs> and I'm going to make them differently rich. Yeah, like, not the same rich, but still rich. <laughs> oh, my God. Does that make Brandon Gossip Girl? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of perfect. It really is, actually. Oh, my God. That's so perfect. <laughs> he, like, makes this big deal about not wanting to be a journalism major when really he's just, like, crafting this whole blog on the side. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's hilarious. Oh, it's I love so perfect. it. perfect. I um, love it. So, I guess next week we'll have the fallout of Brenda finding out about Kelly, right? Yeah, we have – you would think we would have to. and uh, with, Yeah, I say that. <laughs> like, we won't hear about it for three weeks. Well, the good news is, is next week's episode title uh, – so it's season four, episode 28. It's called Acting Out. Okay. I feel confident so then. we at least, like, play on words would tell us that we're continuing from this storyline, which is good because, like, it just got interesting toward the end. Yeah. Um. And I will say, I got to be honest, I'm not sure I wrote anything down for quote of the week because I did that thing I always do where I just write down quotes that disgust me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of did a little bit of the same thing, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to leave it with this one. But if you have a guess, feel free to throw it out there. I'm just going to go with Brandon Walsh. Normally, I'm not such a Boy Scout. <laughs> okay I don't have a guess so funny that you mentioned that because I <laughs> I that is one of the quotes I wrote down I didn't choose it but I literally said Brandon says normally I'm not much of a boy scout dot 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 um okay <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so actually what I'm gonna go with is it's I believe the last quote of this episode and it's right after brenda finds out that kelly's on the list of callbacks she's apparently the front runner front runner front runner mm -hmm. because she went and got cappuccinos with the director and brenda's clearly like what the fuck you know reaction on her face and then laura goes well with friends like that who needs enemies and the reason it's my quote of the week is because what a perfect use of that quote like for all the yeah. <laughs> bad dialogue we've had this entire episode <laughs> that was a perfect line um and then just number two it kind of stirs the pot right like because now we do have laura who was previously only remembered and known at a certain way that we've talked about but now it's like oh okay now she is that selma blair character that's kind of that wild card thrown into the mix to kind of 
not that Kelly and Brenda ever need anybody to stir the pot, but now she is kind of like that extra catalyst for yet another conflict between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good quote. I kind of wish I had wrote that down. But by the time I got to the end of this episode, I was like, I don't care. Yeah. Well, it it was it was also because like the scene before that was the hit by a bus. So (laughs) we were like in a weird state of mind. Yeah. No, this episode was weird. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious to see what happens next week. So, I mean, I guess we'll find out. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast You can send us an email, um, whatever you want to say, if you've got some extra pop culture references or what you think the Gossip Girl kids would think of the Beverly Hills kids. Let us know that. And you can send us that to our email address at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast apps and, you know, subscribe, share, rate, review, you know, all the different little buttons that you can do in there. Um, If you leave us a five-star review, we'll, you know, read it, give you a shout out. We really like getting those things. They help us get seen. They help us get up on the charts. Like, it's great to, you know, build the community and then we can tell people, like, we kind of know what we're doing. We're really fun to listen to. (laughs) I second that. We kind of know what we're doing and we're fun to listen to. (laughs) Yeah. So you can do that again next week. And until then, from all of us at Back To Podcast, I'm a cat on a hot tin roof. Damn, that's what I was going to do. I'm Claire Arnold, just stirring up drama. I'm Brenda's jealousy rearing its ugly head. Bye. Bye. See ya.